1: This is Start Making Sense, the weekly podcast of The Nation magazine, and I'm John Wiener. The synergy between politics and popular culture has never been clearer or stronger than in the age of Reagan. And now there's a wonderful new book on movie culture in the age of Reagan. It's called Make My Day, and the author is Jay Hoberman. For 30 years, he was a film critic for The Village Voice. It's also written for Art Forum, The New York Review, The New York Times, and The Nation. He's written a dozen books, including the brilliant Army of Phantoms, American Movies in the Making of the Cold War. Jay Hoberman, welcome back.
2: Thank you. I'm glad to be here.
1: When you write about movie culture in the age of Reagan, you focus not on what you think are the best movies of the 80s or the movies you most admire. In fact, you pay a lot of attention to the movies you dislike. Why is that?
2: Well, the fact that I dislike these movies Uh, doesn't mean that they're not interesting for me to write about. And I chose movies that I felt were symptomatic of what was going on, both in politics and the the, the culture at large.
1: And Reagan, of course, was often dismissed by liberals as just an actor from old Hollywood. But you think the fact that he was part of old Hollywood gave him a special uh, power and success as president?
2: Uh, definitely. Uh, there, are, there are two things here. I mean, First of all, uh, when he ran for governor of California, uh, the liberals and the Democrats just did not take him seriously. He seemed like a lightweight. And how was he going to beat Pat Brown, a two-term governor of California in a real political powerhouse? what they didn't realize was that an actor knows how to present an actor knows how to deliver a line uh, and an actor can uh, can hit their marks it's very difficult for a politician to to compete with somebody who's that polished and professional at at projecting an image the other thing and maybe the uh, the, the more significant one is that reagan bought into the whole Hollywood package, particularly in the 1940s. And what I mean by that is that, taken as a whole, American movies had a particular kind of ideology. They were very optimistic, forward-thinking, inclu- imagined that they were inclusive. I mean, in fact, they were not, but they had that self-appointed sense of, uh, of universal appeal. Certainly, they wanted to appeal universally. And... Um, mandated happy endings. I mean, there was a production code into the 1960s that kept things from getting too real. I think that Reagan internalized all of this. And this is why I consider him Hollywood's greatest creation. I mean, he sincerely believed this stuff. And um, the one real takeaway I had from doing research at the Reagan Library If I'm not mistaken, you've done work there too, have you not? But what I did take away from this was the degree to which Hollywood was still so central in his thinking. I mean, you know, his wife had been in the movies also. Nancy was a minor star. And I really think that this was the high point of their lives. I mean, being president was very nice, and he certainly (laughs) enjoyed it. But. I think that it's, it's really not as, not as great as being a movie star, even when he wasn't, you know, in the first rung. I mean, just to be part of that. And I, I say this because they stayed in touch with people. They spent a lot of time reaching out, you know, making videos. I mean, they spent a the month making a, a birthday video for Lou Wasserman, who had been their agent and who was at that time the leading Democratic fundraiser in California. Did not make any difference to them. He was, you know, they were together in showbiz. He was there. He was their guru. you know, he was their rabbi. and um so he was he was not a great movie star, but he, he I think he embodied Hollywood more completely than any than any other
1: star. Well, let's talk about some of the movies. after Reagan was reelected in nineteen eighty four. In a Landslide, you wrote a big piece for The Village Voice where you said that during that campaign year, only one film, quote, mirrored Reaganism in full flower, and that film was Ghostbusters. You called it aesthetically weak but ideologically potent. Tell us about Ghostbusters. Okay.
2: Now, the reason I said that was that Ghostbusters, I think objectively, and, you know, I was a working movie critic, in in 1984 so i saw a lot of movies i i didn't think i didn't find ghostbusters really that funny i mean i i i saw certain things in it that that were appealing but you know the, 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 the setup was was kind of fun but the movie was not that that funny but something it, it inspired like almost you know like a fanatical devotion it it overperformed people saw something in there that they really wanted and I think that uh, the same thing was true with Reagan. And uh, it's not like Ghostbusters is, is, is an allegory of Reaganism, or that Reagan was taking cues from Ghostbusters. It's that they're, they're both symptomatic of the same thing, this uh, uh, longing for uh, 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 the world to be in a certain way. And, you know, you and I remember this, but uh, lots of people don't. 1984 was a year that had, like, a really uncanny significance for Americans and for people in the West in general, being the the, the year of George Orwell's dystopian novel. And um, I feel that, in in a funny sort of way, both Reagan and the movie liquidated that anxiety. And this is, despite the fact that Reagan was uh, was a terrible uh, uh, saber-rattler, if not warmonger, you know, throughout 1983. I mean, he he conjured up a crisis, um, which he then dissipated. Which is exactly what the Ghostbusters are accused of doing uh, in the in the movie. You know, like inventing ghosts so that they can exercise them. But I think you know the, there there are two key aspects uh, where the um, uh, the movie and the campaign coincide. Well, three actually, because uh, Ghostbusters makes such a big deal about making the uh, guy from the Environmental Protection Agency like this really humorless, uptight, annoying, kind of hippie type. You know, I mean, uh, so they're against regulation. Reagan, you know, hated regulation. You know, they consider that they've come up with this fantastic entrepreneurial plan. Uh, At one point, Bill Murray says, I've worked in the private sector. They demand results. So the, the Wall Street Journal picked up on this, incidentally, when they they saw the movie being like right there, you know, like a business school perfect. And the other thing is that they've invented what they call the indispensable defense science for the uh, I don't know for the 20th century or, or something like that. In
1: 1983, Reagan announced his anti-missile defense system. He called it Star Wars. Wasn't that also a movie?
2: That was a movie. And, of course, you know, I think it was at that time still the, the top-grossing movie ever. And he didn't call it Star Wars. That was the press, and that the Democrats called it Star Wars. And they thought that that was, you know, a sign that they were dissing it. It was a kind of uh, derisive term. But Reagan understood that that was like a great term, that they handed him, you know, a wonderful trademark. I mean, George Lucas wasn't happy about it and, and Reagan had this riff and He said, Well, you know, they call it Star Wars, but you know, we'll do it and you know, the force will be with us or something like that. So he he pretended to object to the title, but then he, you know, like used another phrase from the from the movie.
1: You call Star Wars quote a seamless blend of Walt Disney and Lenny Riefenstahl. Yeah. Wow. Yeah.
2: Well Star Wars is 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 an amazing entertainment package. Uh, It has this, you know, grade school narrative, and I mean that literally. I mean, it it is a kids' movie. The fact that it that it appealed, you know, universally, can tell us something about the what the what the audience wanted in those days. So it has this this uh, uh, kind of grade school account of a uh, rebellion against a, um, a tyranny, and it's how can you can't quite figure it out, you know, like the princess is also. Part of the Republic, and you know, it's basically like young people against old, young people and robots against old mean people. But the uh, the slickness of it, the uh, the the way that uh, Lucas fetishizes hardware, and uh, you know, these spectacular scenes. There are scenes that that quote directly from uh, Lenny Riefenstahl's Triumph of the Will, and it's not innocent. I mean, he went to film school, uh, so he certainly was familiar. With these movies. And it's not that I'm saying that Star Wars is a fascist movie, although it has been said it's a movie that a fascist audience might might enjoy, but that he didn't care. It was something that worked.
1: In a third film we need to talk about, one of Reagan's most famous lines was, go ahead, make my day. This was in 1985 when he was telling Congress that he would veto any tax increase. It's Make My Day is the title of your book. And, of course, it comes from a Clint Eastwood, Dirty Harry movie, the 1983 film Sudden Impact. Let's talk about Clint Eastwood's persona on screen.
2: Okay. I mean, Eastwood was, during uh, um, much of the 70s and into the 80s, the number one uh, male star, which is to say the number one star. To me, that's very interesting because... Whoever's the number one star with John Wayne for a long time is kind of uh, uh, American male ego ideal. And uh, Eastwood was that, although the thing with Eastwood was that he was a, a more ambiguous character than, uh, than, than John Wayne. He was hipper in a way. I mean, uh, I remember when he, he first started making movies, people thought that, oh, maybe he's like, you know, uh, uh, closer to James Dean. Than to, uh, than, than to John Wayne, a uh, certain moral ambiguity. And when he played Dirty Harry, he was a figure that I call like the legal vigilante. I mean, he could break the law because he was right. Uh, some people saw that as a, as a sort of fascist uh, figure. Uh, in any case, he had some very good lines which he could deliver and Make My Day was one of them. I forget who did the screenplay for uh, Sudden Impact. But it was a, it was a terrific line, and I think he delivered it to somebody. It was one of these things: you know, Are they going to draw their gun? You know, yeah, go ahead and draw, and I'll shoot you, and it'll make my day. That yeah. kind of thing. But Reagan just understood it, it. It stayed with him. I don't think anybody wrote that for him. I think that it just it just popped out the way a lot of movie lines would would pop out uh, of his mouth in, in certain situations. And uh, the fact that he's casting himself as Dirty Harry. Is, uh, is is very powerful. I mean, Dirty Harry was like the toughest cop in America, you know, which means the toughest cop in the world.
1: You end your book, Make My Day, with a terrific epilogue comparing and contrasting Reagan and Trump. Both came out of an entertainment background. Both were polished salesmen who became president. But the differences are pretty interesting. Reagan, you you have said was old Hollywood in, incarnate. You know the happy ending. Trump clearly is not about happy endings, and his background in entertainment uh, is very different.
2: Uh, yes, obviously he's a he's a creature of uh, of, of television, of um, reality TV, but also of uh, of Fox. I mean, he was a he was a, a, a political pundit on Fox for uh, for a few years and also was involved in wrestling too and has been involved in a lot of these tawdry showbiz things so Trump is is about understands that uh, the kind of entertainment that he's good at and is by nature divisive you know you you, you want to, you want to create villains and polarize the audience you know to 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 rev them up the, you know Reagan had his demagogic instinct, certainly, particularly when he ran for governor of California. But he was more inclined to to bring people together, as, uh, as was said, the way that movies do, you know, make a scenario that appeals to the greatest number of people. Uh, Trump has no interest in that. I mean, he's got his audience.
1: Well, in your book, you say Trump is a synthesis of two great movie demagogues of 1976, Howard Beale of Network, and especially Sylvester Stallone's Rocky. Uh, let's focus on Rocky here for a minute, because it seems to me there's a lot of Rocky in the Trump persona.
2: Yes. First of all, all politicians love Rocky. I mean, the the Rocky theme is a sort of the unofficial anthem of anybody running for president. Any man, we, you know, women don't tend to use it in the same way. The thing with Rocky is that Rocky put a kind of smile face uh, on a form of nativism and specifically on racism. I mean, this was, a, this was the, uh, really the motor of that movie. The movie was all about the original Rocky, although you know it comes up again in the other ones, about putting uh, Muhammad Ali, uh, probably the, the perceived as like the biggest threat in American uh, popular culture since Elvis, and maybe a bigger threat, putting him in his place and that's what that movie's about. You know, some lovable, you know, uh, white palooka, you know, a, a club fighter comes out of the past and uh, fights this horrendous, powerful black man to a standstill. And, it's that, and that's the happy ending. So, sure, I mean, uh, uh, that's the kind of thing that would appeal to, to Trump in his sunnier moves. But I think that Howard Beale, who could just get on television and rant and rave, uh, and uh, um, get people to like go to their windows and 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 respond to him is a is 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 a model for him uh, too.
1: So, in conclusion, you say Reagan's movie was America, the idealized happy America of his imagination. What is Trump's movie about?
2: I I think Trump's movie is about Trump, and I think that. He has succeeded in making himself such a compelling figure that he he dominates this this landscape. I don't know that, that people felt that way about Reagan. I think that, that Reagan was he could be like an everyman writ large in a way if that's what he wanted to play. You know, Trump, you know, is like is like the villain from a uh, you know a, a superhero movie. He's a menace. And um, I think people are, are transfixed by that. I mean, some people, I mean, it's, it would be, you know, he certainly does not appeal to everybody. In fact, arguably, he's the least appealing president ever. But the, uh, but the people who like him really do like him. And uh, it's him that they like.
1: Jay Hoberman, his new book is Make My Day, Movie Culture in the Age of Reagan. It's totally great. Jim, thanks for talking with us today. a okay.